Welcome to Trollerton Behind the Scenes. I'm Chad Corey. Episode 6, The Wizard King Trilogy. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Behind the Scenes. I'm Chad Corey, and we're going to be continuing what we've been starting uh, last episode, or I should say last season, excuse me, in getting into the behind-the-scenes elements of the world of Trilodrit. And I'm going to start this episode today delving into a little bit about what went into the beginnings of the Wizard King trilogy. I think it's kind of a safe time to do that now, given that the first book, Return of the Wizard King, has been out now for several months, and we're just coming up now into the release of the second book, Trial of the Wizard King, in March. So I'm thinking it's probably a pretty safe time to kind of bring some information and news out there. I will be sharing spoilers. I will be sharing information that is tied into the book series overall. So if you don't want to have your story spoiled, or you don't want to, you know, you haven't maybe gotten book one yet, or maybe just starting to get into the series. Uh, maybe you want to wait and come back to this episode later unless you want to you know, get the more behind-the-scenes stuff before it and kind of read it in accordance with that. Maybe it's more of a benefit to you or more, uh, like we said, DVD extra type of things when you get into it. Maybe you can appreciate it more, shall we say. So just want to get that out of the way. And like I said, kind of alluded to it just a few seconds ago, but uh, the second book coming out in March, Trial of the Wizard King, it is still available for order online, uh, it will be coming out in print and digital and audio formats, if that's of an interest to you. And it should be available wherever books are sold. So it could be libraries, bookstores, uh, you name it, online, international, wherever. So I encourage you to take a look at that. Check it out if that's of an interest to you. Pass it on to friends and family if they are interested in that type of fiction or literature to get into. So I do appreciate that. And I will be sharing more information about the upcoming tour and promotional elements of it in the very near future um, on the website, chadcorey.com. So let me get that out of the way. And now let me kind of get into, like we said, talking about the Wizard King trilogy. Ideally, the book has had a very, uh, well, the series, excuse me, has had a very long life, shall we say, as far as creativity and production and all that kind of fun stuff that went into it. If you are familiar with the previous episodes I've done on the podcast, I kind of alluded to and explained more about what went into making the episode, I mean, excuse me, into making the series to begin with. I talked more about the general ideology that went into it as far as what I wanted to accomplish, at least how I wanted to go about doing it. And now what I want to do is kind of piggyback off of that and get a little bit more in depth and share some more insight that I think might be kind of interesting or insightful for people in general about the book series, or at least give a little bit of a background for writers that are out there as well, and give you some ideas on what maybe not to do and what to do maybe for their own work. In general, the series, I, I always wanted to do a series for the uh, the world setting, for a trilogy, and I just, I just initially wasn't sure how to go about doing that. When I started doing the trilogy, I actually started writing it, trying to figure out how to be a writer and how to get into writing stuff like that. It was in the late 90s, mid to late 90s, and uh, big right around that time in the genre market was a trilogy. I mean, it had, of course, it was big in the 80s too, in the 90s, and still kind of is big now in the cycle kind of repeats itself, but usually around that time, 90s and so, it was it was very popular to have these large 
large series of books that came out. That was kind of around the same time that you had Robert Jordan, The Wheel of Time, you know, just starting out. George Martin was kind of getting his feet wet around the late mid-90s and things like that. So it was a popular format adjustment that was going on where everybody thought you had to have this big multi-epic, you know, six, seven, twelve volume series of books that told this massive sprawling story. And, you know, it might have worked debatably, so you can say maybe for some people, but I wasn't sure that was the way to go for this series. I, I thought that might be a little bit too long. And so I kind of went back on the idea of doing a, a multi-part, three-part series. I kind of played around initially with the idea of maybe doing like a four-part series, maybe a two-part series, but figured out in the end that a three-part series was probably the best way to go because you have that traditional three-act type of play, or I guess you could say you have a nine-act play because you have three three-act plays kind of combining into a, an overarching story. The challenge was, how do you tell that story and how do you make it fit into um, an interesting narrative that people would like to get into and, and, and enjoy? And that was the initial challenge, was where, where do I start this trilogy? Where am I supposed to, you know, pin a, a map, you know, put a pin on the map here, so to speak, and, and establish the, the benchmark of we're, we're jumping into the world setting at this point in time? Because what I was doing at the same time, again, you can go back and listen to the first three episodes of this podcast, was I was doing a lot of world building, a lot of redesigning of the world design and all that kind of fun stuff. And it just, there was a lot of, I don't want to say chaos and challenges involved with it, but just there was a lot of interesting points you could jump on. And there are a lot of interesting points that you could step into stories already in progress, shall we say, with, with the historical elements involved and, and continue them or expand them and things like that. So I, the challenge was trying to find a, a good jumping in point to get us into the world setting because what I wanted to do, like I said in the previous episodes of this podcast, is there's an omni story. There's an omni narrative. And basically there's a beginning, middle, and end to this large story for this world setting. And so there are key elements, there are key points in time or elements of story, shall we say, that have to be told and then usually told in a certain way. Like, for instance, I have some things and ideas and stuff that I know have to be told in the comic book format because it needs the heavy, heavy visual elements to contribute to the overall story in a positive way. And I know there are some stories that need to be told in the short story format because just the way they need to be structured and, you know, things like that. And so I knew we had to introduce the world setting with something of a meteor type of storyline. And I knew we had to have something that was kind of substantial, so it gave us some traction as far as establishing everything after this is kind of, you know, like B.C., so to speak, and everything after this is like A.D. It gave us a marker that we could use for telling stories in the future and we can kind of reference back to because all the stories, given the omni-narrative, would be kind of connected to each other in, in some subtle ways, or they could be like little Easter eggs and stuff in the stories that you could find tying into other elements of the, uh, the world setting and stories that come after it or before it. So... That was the first challenge, like I said. And I think after debating for a while, I figured, or I came, I came to the conclusion, I should say, that the modern era, the modern time, shall we say, was the best time to tell the first story. I wanted to, I actually was thinking about maybe getting something started in the time of the Wizard Kings and doing something there and kind of playing around with that. And that didn't seem to work because there's just too much too much that had to be done into the next storyline and there's stuff that needed to be fleshed out more at that point in time. I was even thinking about going back and doing a, a story initially 
with the Imperial Wars and getting things started there, kind of getting way back in time, maybe building the storyline up from there, but then realized that that would be putting me into a position where it would be a multi, multi-volume multi series because there's a lot that went on during the Imperial Wars, and not all of it was that necessarily interesting for establishing an initial story. And so putting it with the modern day, with the modern timeline, was what worked the best because it wasn't really heavily... Uh, how do we say that? It wasn't heavy on the, the info dump and the stuff you needed to know. It was a lot easier to introduce people into that part of the world. And it gave us a, st- a stepping stone, like I said, to branch off into future stories and also gave us a chance to, uh, an area we can kind of turn around from and look back into the past that got us to this point. So actually, in all in all, it worked out very well. I was very pleased that I was led to do that in, that, in such a way. And it worked out to be probably one of the best decisions <laughs> I was able to to be led to make there on it because it, it just it flowed so nicely and it worked incredibly well for the actual timeline and the story. But that was the first part of it. The second part of it was trying to figure out, okay, now we got the starting point. How do we establish where the story is going to go? How do we establish how far do we take the story? And what do we want to actually have happen? Because believe it or not, um, I keep talking about this in other episodes and other places that there is a lot of history with Trollodron. There's a lot of history and when I say a lot, I mean I'm talking hundreds of pages of single-space pages written up for various timelines, various groups. I mean, there's histories before histories came down for written timelines. And, you know, there's a prehistory, another history, you know, looks like I told you, the future history coming up. So there's a lot of historical things that tied into it. And there's all these different characters and elements and episodes and things that took place in there. So then you, you begin to start figuring out, okay, now what, what do I want to share and how far do I want this to go? Because, you know, do I want it to go like many years? Do I want it to go just a few days? Do I want it to go a few months? And what, what is the actual event that needs to needs to happen? Because that obviously is going to be the crux of the, the background story that is going on. And so that's where the idea came in for the Elven Republic of Colonia. I knew from giving them the history written down already that they are in the process of trying to reestablish their empire. And this element we talk about in the book and the trilogy is just part of that. They are going to actually achieve their desires at some point in the future. We'll talk about that later, perhaps. But they had to have a beginning point for that. That seemed to me to be the greatest motivation for the actual story, is you have these elves trying to get some information to rebuild their empire. But that was only part of the equation. I also knew there needed to be some changes in the dynamic with how the, uh, shall we say, the shamans and the, the magic system worked in general, and we needed to bring back the Wizard Kings because that was a key element of that time period that was going on, that was the beginning of the, the change toward that direction. So you had three or four different threads that had to be woven together into the overall story structure. And so you had the the need for the Wizard Kings to come back and magic to get more powerful. You had to have a change in the, uh, uh, how do I say it without giving too much away, the the mystical elements of the world, the spiritual elements of the world, which we get into more in Book 3. And there had to be a change of the political structures of the world, which is part of what the BLM elves are doing. And so that was major key elements there. And then the other fourth element that I wanted to bring into that as well was a way to introduce the world setting to people in such a way where it wasn't 
tedious and it wasn't, uh, I, I guess if I can backtrack again, back in the 90s, what I was reading and what I was seeing coming out of media and movies and all sorts of stuff was kind of a very repetitive type of situation where you had people get into, you know, they all meet in an inn, they all meet in a bar, and they all get this mission they have to do for the good of the world, and everyone's, you know, their buddy-buddy kind of thing, and, and, uh, they all work together to overcome challenge. You know, basically following a combination of the hero's journey and a Dungeon and Dragons adventure, and that was kind of the shtick that people did for the most of the, even the eighties and up to the nineties. That was a big, big part of it. And now we're kind of getting back into that in various ways. There's always a formatic way to writing, and that's not necessarily entirely bad. It's just that was what was going on a lot of it, and you had a lot of these quest stories out there. And then they sold well, obviously, because otherwise they wouldn't keep producing them if they didn't. But I, I didn't know if this was a true, necessarily a true quest, shall we say, quest story. I wanted to do something a little bit different, and I wanted to do something kind of more unique to set it apart. And that's kind of the generation of the idea of how the books would be formatted, and how the story would flow, and how the overall uh, narrative would begin, and what the the major focus of it would be. And I also didn't want to have a lot of info dumping going on, as I keep saying, because, and again, I'm not putting people down who do that, who write that way, and I, I did that myself in some ways. I, I probably still do subconsciously. I have to go in and catch myself sometimes from you know, getting a little too too wordy and sharing information. But there has been a tendency where you, you start the story off and then you, you know, have all these flashbacks and you share this background information. And then, you know, that works. It tells the story. It gets things accomplished. I just didn't know if I wanted to do that. And so I had to backtrack from where I wanted to go and get that to be the establishment of the story. So instead of having us start off at the very beginning of their quest and everyone's already on the quest and they're going into it and you know they're already in the midst of the action, all that kind of stuff, the decision was made to go back further than that and establish who these people were before they got together. And I've gotten some interesting commentary from that, from reviewers and things like that, and people that have read uh, the first book, Return of the Wizard King, how that worked out. But it's a pattern that was is repeated in, in the second book and the third book because there's a certain uh, rhythm or a reason why that has to be played out the way it is. One of the structures that I found worked really well by doing that is that you're able to tell the story, still tell the story, but you're able to give different elements of the story through different people's perspectives. And by doing that, you're also able to build the world with, with flavor and background and uh, kind of a different way of looking at things, different ideologies, different viewpoints, different uh, scenery, different creatures they interact with. You're able to explore it and explain it in such a way that feels maybe a little bit more natural to the reader, but also it continues to tell the story. But like I said, through different different viewpoints. So you're still getting the overall story told it's just told through a different viewpoint, which is kind of important for different things that I'm not necessarily going to get into in this particular podcast. But that was the overall decision made for how we wanted to, to do that. And then that once you have the idea of, okay, we want to tell the modern time, we want to have these kind of four elements basically being the thematic elements of of the story, what was really going on in the background, the plot and stuff like that. Then you add in the element of having uh, the cosmic entities trying to do some shenanigans in the, the world as well. And given the history notes and things that I had as working from, I also knew at this time period that there were some challenges going on in the, the celestial plane, shall we say. 
And that needed to also be addressed because that would greatly affect what goes on in the stories from there on out. And it serves as kind of a benchmark, like I said, for what everything that happens up until that point and everything that happens after that point. So that was another key element that needed to be tied in there. And that's where we got into the concept of Cadruth needing to come back because he'd be the tool, he'd be the pawn to use to try and bring all this about on the upper levels in the celestial plane, shall we say, like I said. So those are the, the, the elements that were decided upon. And we, like I said, went back in time enough to get the people introduced and begin the story there and pull everything together after that. As far as how far I wanted to go with that, I think I, you know, I played around with it a lot, and I took a lot of time and thought about it. I just, I just didn't know initially. I was thinking maybe make this like a multi-year type of quest thing where it just took a long time to, to get the the adventure set up. But then the more I wrote into it, the more I realized I see, you know, this just isn't, isn't right. It just, it, it took too, too slow, took too long, and I was ending up trying to flesh out things and fill things in that just didn't really contribute to anything, in the story. And so it was decided that basically it would just be a very short, not even, I think, a month long. I don't remember now. It's just a couple months long type of thing. And that would be the extent of the, the whole story. I know in some cases it maybe seems it goes a little bit longer than that because there's a lot going on. But it's really only about, uh, if I guesstimate again, I don't have things in front of me, but probably like maybe two, three months at the most of actual actual stuff they did together as as a team if you take the entirety of the trilogy. So... It was short, but there's a lot that happened. There's a lot of story. And at the end of book three, I was thinking this this worked well, how it ended. And uh, I, I, I compensated for that by putting some additional material at the end of it as appendices information because I thought I didn't want to leave people hanging necessarily. And I didn't want to have, to have like a totally an abrupt end. And in the end, actually, it worked out really well. We were able to go back to digging into individual characters and explaining more about what happened and where it's going to go for their future if we want to go that way. So overall, I was happy with the way the trilogy played out. The challenge came in how to divide the series, how to how to pace the books the right way. And if you're familiar with, you know, movies or TV episodes or things like that, there's usually a, a I don't want to say a cliffhanger ending, that's sometimes done, but there's usually something that you end on that you, you get some type of resolution but you also set up the the seeds or the beginnings of another episode or movie or tv show whatever coming up that's going to add and continue where you left off and so that's what i tried to do for the series for all the books i tried to have a, a series cliffhanger or something that was dramatic in its endings but it wasn't totally abrupt but it was something that people could remember, and it gave you a nice stopping point, but also set up an opening for the beginning of the next book to follow. And actually went back and forth a few times on how book one would end and how book two would end, because I wasn't quite sure how the flow needed to be there. Ultimately, I, I decided it was better to have the ending of book one where it was, and then giving me more room to expand in book two and continue on from there. But there's different ways, and I'll talk more about that in the next episode, how I wanted to do that and what I initially was thinking, all the fun scenes that got deleted too. But I think that will be the end of this episode for today. I just wanted to kind of give you an overview of what I was thinking, what I was looking at, how I was being led different ways of stories and things, and what needed to be incorporated in the series overall 
and how I wanted to go about doing that. Now, the next episode, we're going to actually get a little bit deeper, dive a little bit deeper into what went into making Return of the Wizard King itself, and I'll share like some fun stuff, like I said, about that in general. Otherwise, have a great rest of your month, and we will see you next episode. Thanks for listening. This podcast is copyright Chad Corey. All rights reserved.